2 Timothy chapter number 3, 2 Timothy chapter number 3, we are going to conclude our Timothy series that we've been in. We have been studying the books of 1 and 2 Timothy together. This is the last words that the Apostle Paul, again, if you're new to church or you haven't been with us along the journey, there's an older gentleman that is a massive leader in the church, and he has written two letters to his young protege. His name is Timothy, or as Key and Peele would say, Timothy, okay? Appreciate you getting that one. In Spanish, Timoteo. Okay, so <laughs> Timothy is the young leader that Paul has invested almost two decades into. He loves this young leader. He wants to invest into him. He invites him to the US conference. Paul is all about seeing Timothy go to become the person he's called to become. In fact, Paul believes that Timothy could do better even than him. So he writes First and Second Timothy and really gives him the how to lead, how to operate, how to become the person he's called to become. These are his last words. We're looking in the second letter, which really most theologians believe is right before Paul the Apostle passes away. In fact, Paul will say in these, in these two letters, in, in particular in the last letter, I have fought the good fight. I have finished the race. Which, by the way, did you see yesterday, someone from Kenya ran a whole marathon in less than two miles. That's like taking your treadmill to 12.5 and running for two hours. I couldn't do 12.5 for five minutes. He did it for two hours. Paul says, I fought the good fight. I finished the race. He's ending his life with a letter of charge and commissioning to this young leader, Timothy. Now, Zoe, I believe God has us in First and Second Timothy because God is passing on the baton to our church. He is passing on the baton to our lives and saying, guess what? These guys are out and you are up. It is your turn. It is your hour. It is your time to step into your potential. You're not waiting for somebody else. Nobody else is coming. It's your hour and it's your time. Can I get an applause if you believe that God is calling us to step into the future? Oh, that's a cute little church clap. I wish you'd clap like you believe it today. It's our time to step into what God has for us. Now, everyone knows that when you read a letter, you read the greeting, you skim through the body, and you go straight to the conclusion. These kids these days, they, they were robbed of love letters in class. We used to pass letters in between fifth and sixth period, between myself and my boo thing. Julie, I'll tell you about it later. <laughs> and when I get to sixth period and open up the letter, it'd be like, hey, great legs. How you doing? You so good looking. Skim, 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 get to the end. Because in the end is what really matters. In the end is what someone really wants to say. We are reading the last words of the Apostle Paul today. This is the most important of his two writings, First and Second Timothy, 
We're going to have chapter 3 and chapter 4 be our main text today. Let's read together. This is his last emphasis that he has for young Timothy. Read along with me on the screens. This is, this is what he says. This is the Passion Translation. But you need to be aware that in the final days, the culture of society will become extremely fierce and difficult for the people of God. Sounds like Twitter. People will be self-centered, lovers of themselves, and obsessed with money. They will boast of great things as they, shut, they strut around in their arrogant pride and mock, I love this part, mock what is right. So Paul already told us we would live in this era. They're going to mock godliness. They're going to mock your purity. They're going to mock your serving. They'll mock what is right. They will ignore their own families. They will be ungrateful and ungodly. They will become addicted to hateful and malicious slander, slaves to their desires. They will be ferocious, belligerent haters of what is good and right. Someone in the back's like, yo, I came to get encouraged. What are we reading today? With brutal treachery, they will act without restraint, bigoted and wrapped in clouds of their conceit. Now I want you to watch this part because this is the era that we're living in. They will find their delight in the pleasure of this world more than the pleasure of loving God. In other words, they'll exchange God for pleasure. What will become their God is pleasure. They would rather indulge in pleasure than indulge in God. Zoe, I want to tell you as a church, we're going to become God lovers, not pleasure lovers. In fact, we will deny the pleasures of this world and we will say yes to the righteousness of God. Come on, clap today if you're down to make God your God, not pleasure your God. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality, they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. Stay away. Avoid people like these. I want to give you four things today that the Apostle Paul ends in these two chapters. They're all A's today. I'll give you four A's that actually Paul is saying to Timothy in conclusion in his writing and what God is saying to Zoe today. I want to preach a message, write down the title. This is the last two chapters. It's called, I Need You to Understand This. That's really what Paul is saying to young, I need you. This is critical to your future. This is, this is very vital to the, to the trajectory of your life. I need you to understand. Do you understand the words coming out of my mouth? I need you to understand what I'm really trying to communicate. Let's pray together and believe that God will come and speak to us. And while we pray, we speak healing over the Dodgers. In Jesus' name. Come on, let's pray. Jesus, we thank you today that you are good. We thank you that you're kind and you're loving. You are gracious. You are for us and not against us. We are believing on a day like today that you'll open up our eyes so we can really see you. Open up our ears so we can really hear you. We thank you that you will do the unique, profound God thing that happens when your word goes forward. We pray today, let your word be a lamp to our feet and a light to our path. Lord, thank you for all the great things that you're doing in our lives that we can't see yet. We bless you for it. Thank you for us conference this week. Thank you for our EP that releases. Thank you for the children that have been born and are going to be born. And God, thank you that you, even though you rejected the Dodgers, you are saying yes to the Lakers in Jesus' name. And everybody said together, come on, Zoe, let's get some faith at least for the, come on, let's clap together and just, we're moving our faith over to the Lakers.
I see a victory. I see a victory. I'm going to give you four things to write down. Write down number one. Here's the first thing he says is avoid. He says, he actually says, put up verse 5. Watch how he phrases it in this verse. They may pretend to have a respect for God, but in reality they want nothing to do with God's power. Stay away from people like these. He is asking us to avoid the people that are filled with hate, filled with malice intent, filled with all kinds of, I live for pleasure and not for God. God is actually saying, I cannot afford for you to have company with toxic people. For you to walk in your calling, for you to step in your future, you need the right company. Watch how Paul says this in 1 Corinthians chapter 15. He says, so stop fooling yourselves. Evil companions will corrupt good morals and good character. In other words, he's saying, Timothy, I know you love God. I know you're on the right path. But if you have the wrong people in your circle, if you let the wrong people too close to you in proximity, they're going to corrupt your future. That's why the Bible says, or or a famous saying is, show me your friends, I'll show you your future. Birds of a feather flock together. You you show me your, your friends and I'll show you where you're going. Why is it it is so much easier to pull down than it is to pull up? He's saying, Timothy, I need you to have some space. And ha- It doesn't mean we don't pray for them. It doesn't mean we don't believe for them. It doesn't mean that we don't have faith that God can do something awesome in their life. He's just saying they just can't be your best friends. You, you just can't sit and dine with them all the time. You can influence them, but they can't influence you. Watch what it says here in Psalm 1. Psalm 1 says this, Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers, but his delight is in the law of the Lord, and on his law he meditates day and night. What the Bible is saying, I need you to avoid and and not be too close to some people that are going to pull you down. Now, you might be here like, I thought Jesus loved everybody. I thought Jesus, no, Jesus is for everyone, but Jesus is also aware. Oh, come on, John 3.16. What does John 3.16 say? For God. So love the world. So who does God love? Everyone. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son. That whomsoever. Anybody thankful today that the gospel is good news for anybody that wants to receive the good news of Jesus Christ? Come on, clap if you believe that it's for the whomsoever's of this world. So God uses words like world and whomsoever shall believe in him, shall not perish, but have everlasting life. But I like if you keep reading what the next verse says. Here's the problem, the Bible says. For the light of the world has come into the world, but men have chosen darkness because of their evil deeds. Translation, not everybody's going to serve God. Not everybody wants Jesus. Not everybody wants to do the church thing. Not everybody wants to say that God is my God, not pleasure. Not everybody wants to love God over money. So he's saying, Timothy, you need to avoid the people that are going to pull you down. You need to avoid the people that are a bad influence on your life. You need to avoid the people that are going to take you down the wrong path. You're going to need to avoid the people that are going to mess with your future. I grew up with parents that helped me choose who to avoid, because I didn't know how to choose it myself. Can anybody relate? 
growing up in middle school, I, it was when uh, rap music first came out in the 90s, when we first heard of prophetic voices like Dr. Dre and Snoop Doggy Dogg. And so I, I had baggy pants and I tried to talk that way and act that way. And I'll never forget, I came home one time in eighth grade and I said to my mom and dad, I'm going to walk to the football game, to the local high school football game tonight. I'm going to go with some of my friends. And my mom looked at me and she said, you're not going to go to the football game with those hoodlums. I said, mom, what is a hoodlum? You're not going to the football game with those hoodlums. I'm like, you're calling my friends hoodlums. I don't know what this term means, but it sounds derogatory. And my friends, my, my, my parents helped me choose. You're going to avoid these types of people because there's something on your life. There's something in your future. And if you hang out with the wrong people, we're going to have to rescue you rather than reach you right now. I'm thankful that I had parents that taught me how to identify you need to avoid these influences in your life. Come on, clap today if you're thankful. The Bible's teaching us how to identify you, you're not going to sit with these people. You, you can influence them, but they can't influence you. Jesus was Now, Jesus loved everybody. And Jesus had the power to befriend sin, uh, sinners and notorious sinners, and he could help people. But I wonder if you're strong enough. I wonder if you have the ability, or are you influenced by people on the outside? you got to avoid people that are going to pull you down. You can't have toxic relationships in your life that are going to affect your future. The Bible's teaching us how to identify bad company corrupts good character. You're love for God will grow cold. Your love for Jesus could subside. Instead of being in the house of God, on fire for the things of God, serving God, giving to God, becoming a ZST member, going to growth track, being in a connect group, you'll sit on the side instead of participate in the will of God for your life. The first thing that he says to Timothy in this part is you need to avoid the wrong influences. This is not harsh. This is just wisdom. The Bible is filled with wisdom that is, that is applicable to our life. So he says, the first thing I need from you, young Timothy, is that you need to avoid. The second thing, write down number two, is you need to absorb. Absorb the living, breathing Word of God. Watch this in 2 Timothy 3, a few verses later. So first he talks about influences. Then he, then he refers to the great influence that we need to have in our life. All scripture is breathed out by God, and it is profitable for teaching, for reproof, for correction, and for training in righteousness, so that the man or the woman of God, come on all the her ladies in the house, so the man or the woman of God may completely equipped for every good work. All scripture is God-breathed. The, the, the Greek word here is the word theonousos, theo for God, nousos meaning the breath of God. The Bible is 66 books, over 40-something different author, authors. Now, they may have sat down and they might have written those letters and written those books, but I want to tell you, it wasn't man writing it, it was God writing it. God inspired every scripture. God inspired every promise. God inspired every truth. It says all scripture is God-breathed. All scripture is from God. In other words, it's not part of it that you need, 
It's all of it that you need. You need everything from Genesis to Revelation. You need the poetry books. You need the minor prophets and the major prophets. You need the Pentateuch. Come on, you need the law. You need everything in the Psalms. You need everything in the Gospels. Come on, anybody thankful today? Come on, for the gift of the Bible. Come on, clap right now and thank God that he's given us the B-I-B-L-E. Yes, that's the book for... I stand alone on the Word of God, the B-I-B-L. What's it stand for? Some of y'all are church folk. All the new people are like, freak show. Bible. Avoid toxic people. Absorb my promises. Absorb, sit in them. Meditate on them. Expose your life to them. Absorb it. Like Tom Brady with his playbook, sitting in a dark room with a video and just uh, going through the plays and memorizing the plays. And, and if they want to cut out, call an audible, he knows everything. Absorb it like a playbook. These, th this is basic instruction before leaving earth. This world is not your home. This is not your planet. You're a citizen of a greater place. So you don't need to be around the right, wrong people, around the wrong people. You need to absorb my truth. The Bible is not a buffet. No, we talked about old country buffet last week and it ministered to a lot of people. But the Bible is not a buffet. You don't approach the Bible and be like, I want the ham, the deviled eggs, and a bunch of sweets. I only pick out the good stuff. God loves me. He's for me. He's going to bless me. He forgives. But all the hard stuff, all the difficult things, I don't want to read about tithing. I don't want to read about forgiveness of others. I don't want to read about purity. I don't want to read about servitude. I just want, no, come on, all Scripture is God-breathed. Every verse is for you. Every truth is for you. Every promise is for you. Every book is for you. Every letter is for you. We don't need to add to it or subtract from it. It is from God. And God actually says, absorb this thing. What does it do? I love the negative and the positive that's here in this verse. All scripture is God breathed and it is useful. Yes, it is. What is it, what is it useful for? The negative says correction, but the positive is teaching. So God's word corrects me, and God's word teaches me. In life as a husband, as a father, as a leader, I need to be corrected, anybody else. And I need to be taught, anybody else. Well, I wonder who's correcting you in your life. I don't invite a lot of people to correct me all the time, but the Bible, when I open it, it just corrects me all the time. It corrects me, and it teaches me. He says all scriptures God breathe, and it is useful. It is useful for basically teaching and correcting, correcting and teaching. It, it, the thing about reading the Bible, it's not that you study it. It studies you. And it becomes a lamp to you. And it lights up your attitude. And it lights up your thinking. And it lights up your motives. And it lights up who you are as a person. And it teaches you how to overcome. It teaches you how to walk in your grace. It teaches you how to become secure. And how to be confident. It teaches you how to become free in the name of Jesus. It teaches you how to forgive those that have sinned against you. Anybody thankful today for the gift of the word of God?
You got to avoid these people, man. Hey, these in the in, in the end in the end days, the, God will be pleasure. Pleasure will be the thing that is worship. They, they, they will actually not want the, the, the sincerity of truth. They will just want the sincerity of experience. And so they actually will want pleasure over God. You need to avoid these kind of people because they'll pull you down. In fact, what you need to avoid is these kind of people. But what you need to absorb is the living, breathing word of God. Because the word of God, I love this truth about the Bible. The word of God tells me what to do, what not to do, and what to do when I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. God's word tells me what to do, what not to do, and then what to do when I haven't been doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And there's no greater things that you need in your life than those three realities. Here's what to do. Here's what not to do. And since you haven't been doing what you're supposed to be doing, here's what you should do. So I come and I absorb and I, 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 I meditate on it and I start to get these promises and these truth. I don't know how you memorize things, but growing up when, when, when you know, Dre and, and these guys came out, to, I wanted to memorize all the lyrics to the songs because there's nothing cool, cooler than being with your buddies. And when the song was playing, you know one, two, three into the foe. Like, there was nothing cooler for a little white guy. And so, so I sit in my room, and I close my eyes, and I memorize, and I hit the rewind button on my, these were tape eras, okay? And so, and I just listen, and I try, one, two, three, to the foe. And so I just, and I try and memorize. Why are you laughing so hard? And, and, then, and then when I got older, when I got older, I realized that I didn't memorize that well just listening. I needed flashcards. Not for lyrics. I'm talking about tests in college, guys. Like I became educated. Sir, you laughed too hard. And I'll never forget, I had a buddy in Bible college. We'd get, we'd get in the car, and we would state a verse. We'd say, uh... Galatians 2.20, and the other person in the car would have to go. Galatians 2.20. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I that live, but Christ that lives through me. And the life that I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God. And the other guy would go. Yeah, you got that one. Okay. Psalm 119, verse 9. How can a young man cleanse his ways? By taking heed according to your word. Okay. Psalm 119, verse 11. Thy word have I hidden in my heart that I might not sin against thee. And we use flashcards to memorize because I needed to absorb the reality of who God was in my life. So I didn't have to look it up on my phone. It was on the inside of who I am. Come on, somebody thank God at Zoe Church. We are going to absorb the living, breathing word of God. So he says avoid and absorb. And then he goes back to relationships and he says, number three, align. Align your life with the right people. So I'm not just going to tell you who to avoid. I'm going to tell you who to partner with. I'm going to tell you who, get, who to get connected with. I'm going to tell you. Why? Because the reality is your alignment determines your assignment. Who you hit your wagon with determines the course of your life. So Paul starts teaching young Timothy, this is who I want you to hang out with. This is who I want you to eat bread with. This is who I want you to pour into. Watch what he says here in the verses. Oh, I love this. He says, be diligent to come to me quickly. For Demas, so we're talking about Demas, tough name, by the way. What's your name? Uh, Demas. 
Did you say demon? Demas. Are you a rapper? Nah. For Demas has forsaken me, having loved this present world. He fell in love with pleasure and has departed for Thessalonica and Cretans for Galatia, Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him, for he is useful to me for ministry. And get Tychius, I sent off to Ephesus. Bring the cloak that I left with Carpus, it's from Zara, at Troas, when you come, and the books, Amazon, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. You also may be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted our work. Now watch this. Here's what Paul's teaching Timothy. There are some that have left you. There are some that are with you. And some God is sending to your life. He's teaching him the power of alignment. He's he's letting him know, hey, young man, it's fine. We all deal with this. Some people are going to leave your life. Some people are going to exit. But don't you worry. God is faithful. He's going to put somebody right next to you. And by the way, in the name of Jesus, there's still more that God is sending to your life. Somebody thank him right now. Some of your best friends you are yet to meet. Some of the most critical relationships, the door's about to open. I wish Zoe would get some faith right now because God's about to align you with the right people in the right place at the right time. Give him a shout of praise. Now this is so important that you start having a, an eye for alignment. You start finding your, your crew, your, your, your connect group, your people, and you say, that's my people. Those are, those are my people. In fact, Ruth in the Bible, there's this beautiful verse in the book of Ruth, and, and she says this phrase. You ought to start saying this phrase over some of your relationship. She says this. Put up that scripture in Ruth. And she says, at my first... Okay, we don't have the Ruth first. That's all right. She says this in essence. She says, wherever you go, I'm going to go. And your people are my people. Translation, I'm aligning myself with you. Wherever you go, I go. And your people are my people. The power of alignment is so important. Because when it comes to the power of alignment, What you are saying is, I am hitching my wagon to you. And I'm believing that we're going to sharpen each other and encourage each other. And our futures, our our destinies are linked together. When you come to Zoe, what you're saying is I'm aligning myself with Zoe. The future and the vision of that church is the future and the vision of my life. It's the power of alignment. I'll never forget probably about... 10 years now, about 10 years ago, I, I, it's when Twitter was really big. Instagram hadn't come out yet. And I got a, a DM. This is before DMs were sketchy. I got a direct message from a youth pastor in Miami. And he reached out. He said, hey, I see what you're doing. I've heard about what you're doing. And let's jump on a phone call and, and let's become friends. So he sent his cell phone number. And we, we set up a time. And we talked for like an hour, hour and a half. And we became friends. And then a couple months later, we were scheduled to preach at the same conference in Canton, Ohio. So the first time we get to hang out in person is in Canton, Ohio. And we go and ha- we have a great time together. As a, you know, a thousand or so young people. And we're preaching at the youth conference. And so when I got up to preach, I'll never forget, in my session, I preached a message on on purity called Purity is Possible out of the story of Joseph and Potiphar's wife. 
So I'm preaching. These are all middle school and high school. This is a decade ago. So I'm preaching my guts out. And I'm talking about purity as possible. And you can become sexually pure. And then at the end, I give a response to the altar. And I'm like, if you've been struggling. And I start, you know, it's a youth conference. So I start really going, you know, over to these young people. And I'm like, I'm, I'm like, hey, if you've been struggling with, if you've been doing this, if you've been looking at that, if you've been a participant. And I, when I count to three, I want you to come down to this altar. You're going to get free in the name of Jesus. God is going to touch your life. And you're going to get, God's going to touch you. You're going to never be the same. So I said, when I count to three, you've been looking at, you've been touched, you've been, you've been doing bad things. When I hit three, you come down here. One, two, three. As soon as I said three, the first one to the altar was my new friend. He's the first one to the altar. Now when I see him at the altar, my peripheral, I think to myself, oh my gosh. What a sicko. What is wrong? What did he do? <laughs> so I'm giving the altar. I'm praying for young people. And, I, and, and, and we, we, you know, cast out all the terrible things, you know. And, and I step off stage. I step off stage. And I think, oh, my gosh, I cannot believe. And Nate was with me. Nate, this is how long I know Nate. Nate. Nate looks at me. First thing he says, eyes like this. He goes, wow, you got, it was Pastor Rich from Miami. Pastor Rich Worker's a junior. <laughs> He said, you, you, you really got him, didn't you? I said, it's my anointing. <laughs> well, come to find out, he wasn't listening to me preach. He was texting the whole time. But he made a vow, anytime someone gives an altar call, he's going to be the first to respond. <laughs> so when he got down to the altar and he heard me praying over all the perversion in the camp. <laughs> but he couldn't get out because there was thousands of young people at the front with him. But I, but I, I tell you, that, that first night, we hung out in Canton, Ohio, and I, I spoke freedom over him. <laughs> we, 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 we stayed out till like, we went and tried to find LeBron's house because he was playing still for Cleveland, and we ended up at Waffle House at like 5 in the morning, and got back to our hotel room, I think, at 6.30 in the morning. And, but it's just one of those times where I just, I made it, I knew from the moment I met him, not at the altar. I'm, I'm aligning my life with this guy. Your people are going to be my people. Where you go, I go. It's the power and that decision to align with the right relationships has changed my life. He is trying to teach young Timothy. We avoid these people, but we align our lives with the right people. And God is still sending more right people into your life. Come on, why don't we clap and just thank God right now that there's more relationships. Not all of them have been finished yet. Here's the last and the fourth one. Let me encourage you with, he says, number four, arise. Watch what he says here. Put it on the screen. At first there was no one I could count on to faithfully stand with me. They all ran off and abandoned me, but don't hold it against them. For in spite of this, my Lord himself stood with me, empowering me to complete my ministry of preaching to all the non-Jewish nations. He's saying, listen, it doesn't matter who's leaving, who's with you, who's coming. It doesn't matter. God is with you. The Lord stood with me. 
God has the power to stand. Why am I here, Tim? Why am I writing to you? Why did I finish my race? Because God was there. In the midnight hour, God was there. When I was in the lion's den of life, God was there. When I was in the fiery furnace of relationship, God was there. When I was in the belly of a whale, when I turned my back, God was there. When I stood against the Red Sea and I didn't know what to do, God was there. Somebody thank God right now. I'm going to rise. Because no matter who I avoid and who I align with, somebody bigger and somebody better and somebody greater will stand with me. How are you going to accomplish the will of God for your life? How are you going to stand on solid rock? It will only be by saying, I will arise in the name of Jesus. And I will not let the ashes. And I will not let the critics. And I will not let my past. And I will not let my family. I will not let bad decisions hold me back from becoming who God has called me to be. I will arise. You don't get to arise off self-help. You don't get to arise off goosebumps. You don't get to arise off feeling good about yourself. You arise because God stands there. God's with you. God is for you. Oh, look at Romans chapter 8. Well, I just want to encourage you. Romans 8, what shall we say then? If we know these things, if God is for us, who can be against you? Stop letting that voice in your ear hold you back from becoming the person you're called to be. Stop letting shame get all up in your ear. and hold. Come on. There is no condemnation for those that are in Christ Jesus. He's ending. This is his last words. He's ending. He's saying it doesn't matter who you avoid and it doesn't matter who you align with and you absorb God's word because the reality of Jesus, he is alive, he is well, he is for you, he is working, and he is able to do beyond what any friend can do. He's going to stand with you when everybody else abandons you, when everybody else deserts you, when everybody else is, is not trustworthy, you can trust in God. We're going to arise. We're going to arise. And we're going to become the people that God has called us to become. Why? Because we've got Jesus. And if we've got Jesus, we've got everything we need to fulfill the plans and the purposes that God has for our lives and our families. Amen.